Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Even more than usual, today was certainly one of those days. I hope you recognize that you were and that you are as well. And if that stirs something in you, if that's a conversation that you want to have further, my DMs are always wide open at Jmart Zone. Would love to have that talk with you. And I'm fired up. You know what? There's not a great, just unbelievable story that is going to capture three hours of your time. But I've got some things to say tonight. I've got some positive things to say tonight. I've got some negative things to say tonight. I've got a great feel-good story, a terrible column from USA Today. But I want to talk about the XFL off the start. And today it was announced that the TV partners are going to be ABC, Fox, ESPN, FS1, FS2. Look, that's impressive. It really is. Playoffs on Fox, playoffs on ESPN, championship on ESPN. It sounds good. It really does. Oliver Luck, Vince McMahon, everyone working on the XFL deserves some credit for selling this thing and actually probably giving themselves a chance to at least successfully get through one season. But I'm going to ask you to pump the brakes on thinking that this is somehow going to establish a foothold in sports culture long term. You kind of know where I am on this, but I'm going to lay this out for you again. And I'm going to do it in a different way. There are certain guys and there are certain teams that I simply can't trust because I've seen too much to show me otherwise. When the evidence doesn't stack up or when it goes in the opposite direction, you have to rely on your faith. You have to rely on your intuition. I have faith in the Lord, but I don't generally have faith in a bunch of humans that haven't done it before. And I said this last week, until James Harden or Chris Paul actually wins an NBA championship, I'm never going to be able to predict them to do so. I know it's a 2-1 series, and tonight is a huge game four that I can't wait to see down in Houston. But they've got to show me they can do it because I've seen this movie, I've seen the sequel to this joint, and I've seen over a decade of Chris Paul not doing it. I've seen James Harden not do it about as many times as I've seen Iron Man appear in a major motion picture. Now, when it's your team, it's a little bit different because you have something called blind faith. My Atlanta Braves, they lost and they lost and they lost. Then they got good, but they still lost to the Twins in the World Series. Then they lost to the Blue Jays and Joe Carter in the World Series. It was crazy. And then came 95 where we actually got it done. And then came the New York Yankees after that World Series trophy, and we just got the one. And I keep saying we, but who cares? As a Denver Broncos fan, John Elway lost to Phil Simms. He lost to Doug Williams. He lost to Joe Montana. None of those games were remotely close. It stunk. Then dry spell. Then Mike Shanahan, Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith, Terrell Davis, good defense, two Super Bowls, and Elway retires. Before Peyton Manning beat Rex Grossman in the Florida rain, he was the guy that couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Maybe it was Carl Malone or John Stockton running into Michael Jordan or Charles Barkley who could never win or Chris Webber who could never get to the NBA Finals. It's just how life goes for some athletes. How about Rick Barnes in the NCAA tournament? He's a really good coach. Ask UCLA who was going to pay him out the nose. 
but he's not really good when it's all or nothing or he hasn't proven to be. So for me to believe that the XFL can work, that would mean I basically have to toss out virtually every piece of history I have seen this century that tells me the opposite. Arena football is still a thing that happens, but does it really happen? The AAF was an unmitigated disaster. You know this. We all do. One of the founders is now looking at decades behind bars for fraud. Trump's USFL was something for a brief time, but how did it end? Well, you can watch the 30 for 30 about how it came to an end. It was a documentary about how it fell. And my thesis hasn't changed. We don't have too little football in the United States of America. You may think you want more football, but your enjoyment of that comes relative to the quality of said football. And that's a problem, at least for mediocre football. I will continually talk about, if you read my reviews about pop culture, you listen to the Pop 6, which is available via Zone Podcast. You can subscribe to the Pop 6 with Jason Martin. We're going to finish up The Office, and we've got a big-time couple weeks. We're going to talk about Marvel and get into Endgame on a, on a bigger level, and that's going to be an absolute blast. So go ahead and subscribe now and, and go back. You can listen to all the Friends casts, all the Office casts, everything we've done so far. But one of my common refrains talking about pop culture, and it did not used to be this way, is that less is more. And less is more is a thing. I was absolutely certain walking into the press screening of Avengers Endgame two weeks ago that it was going to be too long. Three hours and two minutes is just asking for trouble. Because going for epic in scope sometimes leads to mundane results. Because you shoot for the moon and and it goes wrong. It's like playing spades. You think you can get them all and you miss one. And then in what I can only deem as as pleasant a surprise as I've seen of that type in years, it wasn't too long. Turns out they had enough story to tell, and they put forth one of the best action films and pieces of fan service in big screen history, and it's breaking every record you've ever seen. But that right there is the aberration, folks. That's not the rule. And living life, making predictions and plans based on what's uncommon is a recipe for being in the incorrect place more often than not. It's not wise. It's foolish. So if the XFL works, that's going to be the aberration. Let me break this down for you. You love college football. I know you do. You call us incessantly about it. We love talking about it. It's fantastic. But there's a reason you love college football. Whether that's a tie to a certain school or a tie to a certain conference or a tie to the pageantry, or the bands, or the passion behind a game. You grew up with college football. You don't know what your life would be without it. Some of your friends are your friends because you have a shared love of a certain school. You would pay twice the asking price, if not more, for EA Sports to release NCAA Football 20 right now. You might pay 500 bucks for it if you have the disposable income. You know the coaches. You know the legacies. You know the uniforms, and you could rate your favorites. You know the stadiums. You know the tailgate scenes in the SEC. It's just part of who you are. You might even watch two MAC teams or Mountain West late night ESPN2 Saturday evening stuff. You might even watch some of that stuff. You have no idea who's on the field on CBS Sports Network to some extent, at least for a little while. So you love college football. You also love the NFL. You've got season tickets, if you're lucky, or you plan out a couple of games a year. Also, if you're lucky, because it's pricey. 
but you do that for your family and you, you set it as part of your budget to make it a couple of special Sundays every year. You watch games with your sons or you watch games with your daughters and your wives or your husbands, and it's just something that you do. The NFL is the single most dominant force in all of pop culture, in all of entertainment, in all of the escapes that we talk about for a living here. The Super Bowl, the day after that game could easily become a national holiday. There are two weeks between the conference championship games and the big game. We all, meaning people in this building, travel to the game site to interview a rotating cavalcade of guys and gals trying to promote something and dodge questions for eight minutes before being whisked to the next table to try and sell pork rinds. You know the coaches again. You know the stadiums again. You know the history even more so. And here, you know a lot of the players. There's research and there's stats and there's fantasy football and there's equity in this and there's everything else that you need to get obsessed and almost addicted to pro football. The NFL's awesome. College football's even better, but that's a debate for a different day. But with that said, how much free time do you have to truly invest yourself on the weekends? These games are going to be 2 and 5 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays between February and the end of April to watch guys that maybe a couple of them you might remember from the past who are in this like weird purgatory between being average in college and not quite good enough to make the NFL. You just finished watching the Super Bowl the week prior to the start of this inaugural, second inaugural, I guess, XFL season. All the football that you've seen since the turn of the year, since New Year's, has been the very best that both sports can offer. You get marquee teams that performed at a high level in matchups that matter. A lot of knockout games. And so now, Vince McMahon and Oliver Luck want you to watch guys you don't really know who are nowhere near as good as the ones that you've just made a habit of watching. Play for a championship that you somehow have to make yourself believe actually matters for something. And I continue to have a really hard time getting there. I still think whoever it is that wins an XFL championship puts that trophy in a drawer somewhere, not on a mantle. I always rail about the ESPYs because it's a meaningless award. You win MVPs. You win trophies. There's no need for an ESPYs. The awards are the meritocracy of sports, the championships, the conference championships, the coach of the year, the MVP, the most improved, all of those. We don't need an Oscars for sports because awards are the essence of sports. Winning is the essence of sports. So if you win an ESPY, where does that trophy go if you're LeBron James? Do you melt that thing down? Do you take it to a pawn shop? Do you throw it out of your car on the way home? What does it matter? Where does that show up in the bio? Where does XFL champion show up in the bio? That's the problem. It's not that logistically you can't make this look like it works. It's where are these fans coming from and how are you going to keep them? Fans that just finished, like I said, watching football from September through the end of January, that they already know that the football they're watching does matter. Then deciding they're going to give you hours of their time for something they don't know very well. And these networks on board, it's really cool. It seriously is. It's impressive. But keep in mind the AAF's first week was on CBS and Turner. The original XFL was on NBC. And then by the time the next network upfronts came, there was no mention of the XFL on a future schedule for the Peacock. 
It's a good start. Lining up these networks helps. There's no question about that. I truly wish I could care about this. I do. And I'm sure that I'll talk about it on this show as time passes. But I'm also watching Vince McMahon currently destroy the thing that made him a billionaire. Ratings so low for WWE on Monday and Tuesday on the USA Network that Fox has to be wondering why in the world they made that TV deal so quickly because they could have saved not just tens, but hundreds of millions of dollars if they were negotiating right now. Last week's television for WWE was the lowest non-holiday ratings ever. 1.7, 1.8. Lest we forget, and many of you don't know this, but a 1.7, 1.8 number is not good in any way. They were doing over threes even when it was mediocre in the past. And during the height of the Monday Night Wars, when they had legitimate superstars and weren't undercutting themselves with terrible creative, they were doing over sixes. They had overruns of 8.3, 8.4. They're doing 1.7. Fox's Friday night, which is what they're handing to WWE for SmackDown, is outdoing them significantly right now. It's not great. So I'm watching Vince McMahon destroy this. I've already seen him fail with a developmental football league, and he's put in $270 million of his own money into this thing. There were smart people associated with the AAF. Smart football people, I mean. Oliver Luck is great. But again, I have bought a ticket to this show before, folks. I have a T-shirt to prove it. Literally, I own an XFL New York, New Jersey Hitman shirt from the turn of the century. I believe this league will actually crown one champion. This first season probably will actually finish. But I'm going to go ahead today and say I predict it's not going to finish a second season. Because once you get down to the nuts and bolts of this, once the football itself reveals itself to be what we already know it's going to be, middling to average at best, all of a sudden it's going to be real tough to sell people on watching it during the NCAA tournament weekends and even during the NBA playoffs, maybe even during the NHL playoffs. How are you going to sell this thing long-term? What it takes to keep it alive is what will kill it. I see Drew and Scott are on the line. We'll take their calls after this break. Hang with us. 615-737-1045. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me the XFL is going to make it and have a reason for it. If not, all this TV stuff sounds real good. But the football's got to be good, and we know the football's not going to be good. We'll be right back to Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Just let it roll along. A little cracker for you here on a Monday from their debut album, I See the Light. I was a big fan of this course. I see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Someone please tell me it's not a train. So maybe some of you are seeing the light when it comes to the XFL. I'm not. I continue to say it's not going to work long term because we already, we think we have too little football, but we don't. We just don't. Plus, we've got the NFL draft and we've got offseason. We've got all of these various things that are going on. And after we've watched A-plus football, why are we going to watch C-minus D-level football? That becomes the issue. And you just finished watching A-plus level football in the NFL postseason. Ideally, sometimes you don't. But generally, that's what you're doing. 
But we'll see. I'm Jason Martin, by the way. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. This is the Big Six here on a Monday. Let's go to Drew and Antioch first tonight. Drew, what's up? What's up, Jake? Uh, you're spot on, man. Um, there's so many references I could go with to really say why you're right, but let's let's backtrack. Um, because when you mentioned the, the James Harden and uh, you know Chris Paul reference, that was perfect. Because let's look. Let's go back to the USFL. Mm-hmm. They did all the things that they are trying to do now. With they got a TV contract, they tried to build this buzz, and it still failed. And it probably would have worked if they would have stuck to being in the summer and being a little bit of an offshoot. And then they caught lightning in a bottle at the time because the NFL was striking, and then they was able to draft, uh, you know, get Reggie White. Yep. They was able to get um, Doug Flutie and some other notable guys, Hershey Walker uh, as well. So they're not going to be able to do that. So what what player now that's come out of college is going to do what, like even in the NBA in the 70s when the ABA came along, when Dr. J and, and Rick Barry and Dan Issel and those, those type of legendary guys took more money to go with an upstart league that didn't have as much buzz, but the ownership and the guys that had money invested had enough money to lure away the best players. So, of course, that didn't prove to work long term because the best four teams ended up being uh, swallowed up into the NBA, mm-hmm. and then all the little crazy things they were doing at halftime and the three-point shot and the up-and-down game is what we see now. The, the NBA owes a great debt to the ABA. But lastly, I'll just say we got enough football because even in the offseason, we're, we're, we're obsessed about the draft. Yep. Uh, we're, we're obsessed about draft classes and mini camps and free agency and just all the things that the NFL talks about. So that's why it can't work. And I don't know who's got money to burn, but I got some swamp land I would love for those guys <laughs> to invest in so I can burn some of that money too. So that I'm with you, man. It's just too many elements that historically we can prove that this thing is not going to work because if the Kentucky Derby can take our attention for this amount of time that it has, what do you think is going to happen when they got to run up against crazy niche sports and stuff like that? No, I, I agree a million percent. I love that call, Drew, and the thing that you said about how they adopted and took some things from the ABA to the, NF, the NBA game. Look, the XFL was responsible for the camera that's now become kind of that sky cam that you see, especially I think it originated, they first started using the NFL on Sunday Night Football. Now they use it all the time. And it's a great thing. They did some technical things. That, look, WWE Productions among the best in the world. If you ever seen some of their sizzle reels and some of the videos that they put together to promote their events, they're outstanding. Even when the content is garbage, those things are all world. Like Those people should win all sorts of technical awards. You can learn a lot from that standpoint. And I'll bet you this XFL is going to look phenomenal too. And there are going to be things that are going to be borrowed by the NFL They'll just take what's good here. The XFL itself, again, once you get down to it, is the football worth it? And the answer is going to be no. Let's take Scott in Lebanon. He's up next here on the Big Six. Scott, what say you this evening? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, historically, the odds are stacked against any startup. But that's, like, true. That's true of saying a restaurant's going to fail. Uh, and then there's some phenomenal restaurants that succeed. The only thing that I've always thought about football in general, though, is is that there is there is an opportunity for a farm league, and I, I don't think it has to be the CFL. 
and they're enough great athletes to put on some good football. I mean, that's true just in the fact that if you look at like who people pick up, undrafted, unsigned, and they come in and contribute in the NFL. Now, what product will they put on the field? I don't know. That's imperative. I think where they messed up, though, is they put it in all these oversaturated markets, and I honestly hadn't even researched it until I did the call. I just looked up what cities. Yeah. Like, if it were me, I would have gone to each state that has an NFL team and said, okay, what's the second most populous city that doesn't have an NFL team? Because, like, when I take my kids to see minor league baseball, I'm going for the fan atmosphere. I'm going for the prices. We're going to eat concessions and have a good time. It's not about watching the best baseball because a lot of it's pretty bad. Uh, those are just my thoughts. So will it fail? Probably. Could it succeed? I think it could. I mean, my God, the fact that people are even watching arena football is laughable. So I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I mean, that's a fairly nuanced take. It could work. My job is to tell you what I think is going to happen. What I think is going to happen is it will fail. It might have a year. It might even have a little bit of a glory period. Bloom might be on the rose there for two or three weeks. But these games are eventually just going to be very average, at best, football games. I mean, how much AAF did you watch? There were names there that you recognized. And to the question about what player is going to come in and change it, it was just what drew his first call, what he said. I mean, look, Manziel showed up in the AAF, and I didn't even watch it. I didn't care. Kaepernick, maybe that brings in a little bit of a different audience for a week or two, but that's not going to last. There's nobody that you can bring in right now that's just going to keep ratings there. It's just not because the rest of the league is still trash. I mean, how many times the Globetrotters are fun to watch because the Globetrotters do all the other stuff. It's histrionics. It's like watching the circus and watching guys that can do all these trick shots and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, eventually you're not watching the Globetrotters week after week after week after week. You can watch the Globetrotters once a year, maybe twice a year on Sunday on ABC when nothing else is on. But you think about everything that's going to be happening between February and March after the Super Bowl is over. Look into the draft, all of those things. Plus, college basketball begins to matter with conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament itself. That's all happening. NBA is going down the stretch run right after the All-Star break, and you're getting to the playoffs there. I just don't see how the XFL is able to com- combat that. Because we know once the football is on the field, the football is going to be subpar. It's going to be second tier. That doesn't mean there's not a couple of guys that can play. doesn't mean maybe a lot of guys that can play. But it's all relative. You've just watched Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Jared Goff or whoever it is that you love. Maybe Mariota. Maybe they're in the in the postseason this year. Whoever it is, Andrew Luck. You've watched the best in the world play football for months And then a week later, February the 8th, is the start of the XFL season. Right after the Super Bowl, you're going to ask me to watch, insert quarterback name here from the University of Minnesota, who wasn't drafted, who wasn't picked up on a practice squad. You're expecting me to sit down there and watch that? I just can't do it. And I don't think I'm alone. And I love football. I love that I get to talk about football for a living. Monday Night Titans was such a joy with Mark Mariani and Jim Wyatt and talking balls with with Joey Ken on Saturdays. All of that stuff is a blast. I love football, but I'm not going to watch bad football or average football or football that I don't think is going to have any resonance long term. I'm just not. If you will, you you can call me and tell me at 737-1045. On the other side, 
there's an NBA player that is simultaneously great and infuriating. I'll tell you who that is. That's next. The Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Don't give it away. The drive-by truckers, the outfit. If you're looking for that tune, I think it's Andy Staples' favorite song. He's got good taste. This is the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. If you're listening, I guess you have good taste. Some might disagree, but that's the way that's the way it goes. So we talked XFL. I want to talk about an NBA player that kind of drives me insane because he is both breathtaking and simultaneously infuriating, ladies and gentlemen. Because what this guy is able to do, the abilities that he has are spectacular. And there is absolutely no way to debate that. It's Joel Embiid of the six of the Sixers. He's a big that has legit moves in the post. He's got a big enough body to be imposing down low as opposed to like the frail tall guys. Anybody that has finesse that is tall usually is a little bit frail and gets banged around, but no, he's imposing down low. He's got legit hops, windmill dunk one-handed during game three was one of the highlights of the NBA playoffs so far alongside Damian Lillard's 38-footer over Paul George. He can step out. He can make the three pretty consistently. I want you to listen to this. In the 64 games that Embiid played in the regular season this year, 33.7 minutes per contest, he shot 48.4% from the floor, 30 from three, which is pretty solid for somebody that's seven feet tall. 80.4% from the free throw line, which is absurd for somebody that's seven feet tall outside of Kevin Durant. Average 13.6 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.9 blocks, and committed less than four fouls per game. His free throw percentage in the postseason is actually 83.3, so it's even higher. For his career, he's a 79% free throw shooter, a 31% three-point shooter, 48% from the floor with 11.4 rebounds. Folks, those numbers are first ballot Hall of Fame digits in every voter's head without even having to stop and question it. That is one of the more dominant, impressive, balanced stat lines I've ever seen from a big man. I mean, think about it. How many bigs could never shoot free throws? And I mean all-time greats. How many couldn't develop iconic post moves? And these are more in recent years. The guys from the past all had post games. How many could never shoot from outside 15 feet? How many were always battling foul trouble? How many couldn't pass? How many averaged 11.4? I mean, this dude, it's not just a double-double. He averages a solid double-double, and he seems to get more skilled every time he's on the floor. And this is where it gets to be a bit of a conundrum for me because he also knows how great he is. He knows how naturally great he is, and he loves to talk about it. He's a trash talker. But he does seem to have a pretty positive way about him. I I like how he goes about his business more than I do somebody like Kyrie Irving or Draymond Green, for example. He's got a bit of a fun-loving nature. But there's another side of Joel Embiid, and this is the one that just drives me crazy. Mark Jackson on ESPN said during Game 3 that it would be a crime if he isn't regarded with the greatest big men to ever play the game by the end of his career. And he caveated it with, with health, with injuries. And this, is, this was maddening because Joel Embiid has played exactly 158 games in his NBA career. There's 82 games in one regular season. 
He's battled injuries his entire career. You realize that Joel Embiid was drafted in 2014 and he's played 158 games in his NBA career? Can you even believe that? He was the third pick in 2014. And so with all the issues that he's had with his back and with his knees, and that probably results in why he was picked third and not first in that draft, here is what bothers me about Joel Embiid. Games like yesterday against Toronto at home. Charles Barkley on TNT last night placed the blame for Joel Embiid's problems and his futility yesterday on head coach Brett Brown for not recognizing what Charles did when he was watching the broadcast early in that game. And what Charles saw was Joel Embiid had nothing yesterday. And Shaquille O'Neal, who was also on the set, and he's one of those guys... Mark Jackson would have been comparing MB too when he talked about greatest bigs to ever play. Shaq balked big time at this, saying that you can't show up in the playoffs and have nothing. And one of the critiques that's always lodged against Joel Embiid is how out of shape he is. That he's about 20, 25 pounds overweight. You heard that going into this postseason. He's a little lazy when it comes to his conditioning. These are the things that you hear. Ladies and gentlemen, with all world talent, you can get so complacent in this world. If it all comes too easy to you, sometimes it can be hard to motivate yourself to get better. But if you want to be elite, then you have to take the great natural ability that you were blessed with, and you have to do something with it. But you're good enough, right? You've got a gift. That must be what Embiid thinks from time to time. But just like every gift, like every blessing we're given, We are expected to take care of it. We're expected to be a good steward of that gift and to make the absolute most of it. I was blessed with the ability to write and the ability to talk behind a microphone. But if I don't do my preparation or if I don't listen to myself from time to time, if I automatically think that I am an A-plus every time I sit behind a microphone, then eventually I'm going to be a C-minus. Or at worst, I'm going to put forth a lot of B-minus efforts. But when I'm always looking to find ways to improve and I'm always poking holes in my own game and I'm working hard like I'm in the gym shooting free throws or working out and staying in shape and staying that's how you get better that's how you make sure you don't slip I mean my dad worked so hard at his job and he was always as good as you could possibly be at that job and he was constantly worried From day to day and year to year, how long will they keep me? I'm getting older. They're going to bring in somebody new with all these advanced degrees and all this. Meanwhile, all those young guys would come to him for advice because he worked so hard. And so we're not given things in this life just to sit on them. And when Joel Embiid, who has a history of injuries and has these constant concerns That from day to day, he might just need a day of rest or might even miss a playoff game, which is something that's already happened in this postseason. It bothers me badly that he's still this lackadaisical. So Charles Barkley, he's right that Brett Brown should have just sat Joel Embiid down and gone with guys who had something to offer. But after Embiid put forth the single best stat line that I've seen so far in the postseason this year, 33 points, 10 boards, 5 blocks, 3 assists. He was 12 of 13 from the free throw line and 3 of 4 from 3. That was his game 3 performance. But he was a flop yesterday. Game 3, he was a dark night. Game 4, he was Green Lantern. 
that level of fluctuation. Look, you're not always going to have your best game. I understand that. A goaltender might not see the puck well that night. Maybe you drop a punt, fumble going into the end zone. Maybe you miss the game winner rather than drill it. Even Steph Curry looks kind of mortal right now. But what you can't do is show up when you know inside your own head you actually have not shown up because you're not ready to play. None of those first ballot Hall of Famers could be accused of doing this very often. And Embiid is constantly dogged with the knock that he sometimes just floats through his career rather than seizing it. And that's got to change because he's too good. He's robbing himself and he's robbing us of an all-time great career. He may still have an all-time great career, but he could be so much more. And the lesson here for all of us, me at the top of that list, is that as good as we might be at something, and every one of you is great at something, as much of a blessing as we've been given in some form, in some capacity in our life, resting on that gift, not nurturing it, not helping it grow, taking it for granted, that is just as disappointing as never getting it in the first place. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. back a little gang of use for you fast talks coming up next here on 104.5 the zone we're brought to you by renters warehouse here on the big six dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling renters warehouse the rent estate company celtics with a six-point lead on the bucks 37 31 midway through the second quarter bucks with a 2-1 series lead big time game tonight big time doubleheader in the nba if you're Looking for some hoops in your life. It'll be a good one. So I'm trying to decide. There's the Kentucky Derby and this crazy story. There's this column from the USA Today that just... I'm going to go with that. Maybe we'll talk about the Kentucky Derby tomorrow. I know it's a controversy. I know it's a big story in sports. The appeal's not going to happen. Country House won this thing. Donald Trump tweeted about it. If we could just take his social media away, I think he might be better received. Just somebody commandeer this thing, change his password so he can't figure out what it is. Just, just He doesn't need to be commenting on whether or not it was a good decision in the Kentucky Derby. And I'm not going to be the, go run the country. Don't you have more important things? I just don't want to see the president. I don't need the inhabitant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue commenting on what happened at Churchill Downs. Unless just to say congratulations to X-Horse. And he also gave Tiger Woods the Medal of Freedom today at the White House. And then there's a story about part of the, half the Red Sox not wanting to come. I told you, I said this on Friday. I let off the show talking about we need to cancel these visits because it's just stupid. Because now everybody's going to wonder what that half thought. And then the other half of the country is going to hate the fact that half of them did go. There's no benefit here. We don't need to put people on an island to have to make decisions that give away opinions. If guys want to say stuff politically, let them say that on their social media this this whole thing needs to be done away with. And you can subscribe to my podcast at The Big Six with Jason Martin via your podcast catcher of choice. You can hear me lay that out in much more detail uh, on this past Friday's show. So there's a columnist for USA Today named Nancy R. Moore. I believe it's pronounced R. Moore, even though it, it looks like armor with a U in it. And she has, look, she is definitely one that, that wants to say provocative things. 
And on the face of this, and you could call this a pro and con, and I'm just going to start with the con. Nancy Armour believes in a utopia. Utopias don't exist because people are selfish. Human nature is selfish. There's always going to be somebody. Look, if you're sitting around and there's a pizza in front of you and there's eight slices and there's eight people, there is somebody at that table that wants to tell you, hey, what's that? And you turn around and they have two slices of pizza. That's just the way it works. A utopia would require a harmony that simply doesn't exist because human nature is broken. Humans are broken. This is a very imperfect world. So Nancy R. Moore's idea or what it is that she's trying to get at is good, but this could never happen. And so there's no reason to have spent 1,500 words in USA Today writing this. So I'm just going to read a piece of this for you. This from last week. Even after the worst incidents of player brutality, the public shaming and outrage lasts for a few days at most and is rarely reflected in ticket sales or ratings. If it's bad enough that a team is forced to cut a troubled player, some other player will step in and fill the void. The cast-off players, meanwhile, become some other team's bargain, their baggage just waiting to be repurposed into a redemption story. It's an ugly yet predictable cycle, and it will continue unless the NFL intervenes. Okay, so then she goes into talking about Ray Rice, and she talks about Tyreek Hill, of course, and her saying becomes some other team's bargain. That's what I told you last week when I said Tyreek Hill is George Costanza buying the cashmere sweater with the red dot. It's the open box buy. But she talked about that, and she also mentioned the Titans drafting Jeffrey Simmons. And we've talked about that on this radio station from every angle, and we'll continue to do so, I'm sure. And so she talks about how Roger Goodell has tried to make the league care about domestic violence. She continues, but the support programs, the suspensions, the experts with their long and impressive resumes, they're all just window dressing so long as owners believe the upside of a player with a troubled past outweighs any pain and embarrassment he might cause. Remember I told you if that audio was authenticated to be Tyreek Hill, he should never play in the NFL again. He should be banned for life. And all your objections, I've answered them. You can tweet me at jmartzone if you have others, but I still believe that. Now, if he's not charged, that's a different argument. But this is what Nancy R. Moore suggests. Talks about how it outweighs the pain and embarrassment he might cause whatever organization. Quote, Losing draft picks would change that. If a team signs someone with a history of domestic abuse or a pattern of violence, they are on the hook for his future behavior. If he abuses again, the team loses two mid-round draft picks and the losses can't be recouped through trades. Another incident results in the loss of a first-round pick, and the general manager who signed the offending player will be barred from participating in the draft and all preparations leading up to it. And what if the GM has moved on, as John Dorsey of the Cleveland Browns did after signing both Hill and Kareem Hunt for Kansas City? The same penalties apply. Harsh? Yes, but necessary. The prospect of losing draft picks would not only force teams to make better choices about the men they bring into their organizations, it would compel them to ensure those players are not a threat to their families or anyone else. This is lunacy, folks. Again, I understand what she, what she is getting at. Nobody out here is on these streets applauding domestic violence. It's awful. I spent weeks talking about Urban Meyer and Zach Smith. And I've talked many times about Tyreek Hill. And I've talked about Kareem Hunt. 
And when the Ray Rice thing happened, it happened when we were on Sports Trend. That video hit when we were on a Saturday right here on the air. It's maddening. It's infuriating. It's awful. It's evil. But the idea that you're going to penalize franchises' draft picks for bringing these guys in, you can't control what a person does off the clock. You just can't. That's why I'm saying nobody should be able to pick up Tyreek Hill at a discount if he did this and if he's charged with it. And if he's charged and convicted, then there's probably going to be other legal things that are going to keep him from being on the field anyway. But this should be... If anything, the NFL should just say no more, no moss on this. But the idea that you're actually going to penalize a team draft picks, and then the, the most ridiculous one is another incident results in a loss of a first-round pick and the general manager who signed the offending player will be barred from participating in the draft and all preparations leading up to it. One, how do you adjudicate that? Also, how do you adjudicate not being able to recoup the losses via trades? Like, all of this sounds like it's... This is fantasy land. This is utopia. This is, and I've made this sort of analogy before, and this is a much more serious deal than, well, I mean, this is serious too, but it's the same thing as the people that always say socialism just hasn't been done right. If it had been done right, it would be perfect. It's just right now it's not done right. That's utopian thinking. That is a world that does not exist. We read books to escape from our world. Because fantasy things can happen. We watch Game of Thrones, and people are you know, joking and kind of upset that you could see a craft service's coffee cup in one of the shots last night. So HBO apologized and said Daenerys had actually ordered an herbal tea. Because where would cop- why would there be a craft services cup in Westeros? Uh, need I remind you, there are dragons also in Westeros. Last I checked, those aren't real either. That's a fantasy land. Nancy R. Moore believes in a fantasy land. Nobody wants to see domestic violence happen. It is abhorrent on every level. It makes me sick that Greg Hardy is even able to fight in MMA for Bellator or wherever it is that he's at now after what a reprehensible list of things he has done throughout his life. Tyree Kill, Kareem Hunt, the list is, it's, it's all terrible. But this simply can't happen because this world doesn't exist. And you can't penalize a team for what somebody does off the clock. Say what you mean, Nancy Armour. If someone does something, we want it to we want to make it so hard for an organization to want to take the risk on them. I'm not technically against that, but this idea is absolutely insane. I don't even know that we've got we don't have time. We don't have time for the pro, but I'll just I'll save it. We'll do it tomorrow. Let's make you smarter on the way out the door. While Joel Embiid was not showing up yesterday in a chance that Philadelphia could have taken a commanding lead, Kawhi Leonard's ridiculous. We're remembering right now why he was a top three NBA player. He sure looks to be one right now. Another insane game yesterday, another 30-point game. He becomes just the fifth player in NBA history to record 150 points, 30 rebounds, 15 assists through the first four games of a playoff series. The other four guys to do it, Hall of Famers. MJ, Rick Barry, Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor. Guess what? Kawhi's going to be a Hall of Famer, too. You can book that. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, saying goodnight.